welcome. This is Colleen O'Grady, the host of the Pallier Parenting Moms with Kids podcast. This is a gathering place for moms to be encouraged, nurtured, and inspired. Also, you'll learn the latest in teen research and trends and get practical parenting tips. You really can improve your relationship with your teen and enjoy the teenage years. Hey, welcome back, everyone. Today is the second podcast in my Dial Down the Drama series, where each week I'm going to focus on one chapter from my upcoming book that's going to be published this November 2015. Each week, I'm going to give you a few tips that you can apply right away to your situation with your teens. And this is my chance to introduce you to some of the key ideas in my upcoming book, Dial Down the Drama, Reducing Conflict, and Reconnecting with Your Teenage Daughter, a guide for mothers everywhere. Today, we're going to explore Chapter 2, What Fear Does to You and Your Daughter and What You Can Do About It. Now, one huge issue that I don't see addressed in most of the parenting books is the issue of fear and how that impacts you, your teen, and your parenting. I've listened to thousands and thousands of stories from teens, having been a full-time youth minister for 10 years and as a marriage and family therapist for almost 25. I've seen teens in inpatient hospitals and outpatient clinics, and I've listened to all kind of harrowing stories. I've been in the emergency rooms multiple times where middle school girls have tried to overdose on things like Tylenol PM. I've watched their moms collapsed in the corner of the room. I've seen the shock and pain on a mother's face when she first heard that her 16-year-old cheerleader daughter was so addicted to cocaine and that she was so scared because she was putting herself in danger by spending the night with 30-year-old drug dealers. I've listened to stories of girls getting raped, pregnant, or being roofied, and passed out at parties. Probably the saddest thing that I've ever, ever experienced was when I sat in a funeral for two senior girls who died in a tragic car wreck on the way home from University of Texas after they had been there for their sorority rush, and they were headed back to their home in Houston. But in most of those situations, I could walk away And while I felt a great deal of compassion and empathy for these teens and families, I could still move on with my life. But everything changed when I had my own daughter. I experienced fear like I have never experienced it before. This fear was so huge, and I found that it could consume my life. And that's why I call this the F-bomb of fear. I had no idea how paralyzing fear could be and the consequences to you. And I know, moms, you've heard all the same kind of stories. We hear it on the news or from other parents, and it's so easy to worry that something terrible is going to happen to our own teenage son and daughter. The thing with fear is that it doesn't have to be true for it to greatly impact your heart, your body, your life, and how you parent your teen. This F-bomb of fear can take over our life, and it can feel absolutely true 
But in reality, it's our imagination. We have created some made-up horror story about our own teen. I remember when my daughter was a freshman in her public high school. She had attended a very small middle school where I knew everyone and their parents in the school. One day, my daughter called me and asked if she could go over to her new friend's house, Deborah, after school. She said that I didn't need to pick her up, that her mom would take her home. I hesitated, but I said yes. Well, I had been to Deborah's house once, and I didn't remember exactly where it was, but I remembered it wasn't too far from our house. And a few minutes later, the worry came. What if she doesn't really go over to Deborah's house? What if she's going home with another group of kids? I mean, look, what if she gets caught with the wrong crowd and ends up doing drugs? There seemed to be no end of things that I could worry about. Remember, I had heard all the teenage stories. But I was able to talk myself off the cliff and push the worries aside, and then I went on my way and got things done around the house. I was fine for a while until it was about time for me to pick her up. So I tried to call my daughter, and she didn't answer. And then I called again, and she didn't answer. And then I called again and again. And then for the next hour, I called, I texted, I called, I texted, and she didn't answer. By then, my imagination had gone crazy. It was like my worry had reached a new freaking level. I now knew something terrible had happened to her and that my worst fear had come true. The fear was no longer just this thought. It was a full body experience. I felt the adrenaline rush through my body. I started pacing around my house. My chest felt tight. I couldn't think clearly. I couldn't get anything done except to replay those scenarios in my head over and over. I was angry at myself, and I kept thinking, why did you let her go over to her house? You don't even know where Deb Deborah really lives. You don't have her address. What were you thinking? And then I thought, I'll just drive until I find her. Uh, and, and without an address, I started driving down every street in this neighborhood, and I was looking for something familiar. I, I was in full-blown panic. I tried calling her one more time, and then, like nothing had happened, she said, hello? And then she said, so, Mom, what's wrong? And she said, I just looked at my phone, and I see that you've tried to call me like 35 times. And did I say, oh, nothing? Hey, dear, I hope you're having fun and having a good time with your friend Deborah. Did I say that? No. I sounded like a complete crazy woman. I was furious. I laid into her. Why haven't you called me back? Where are you? Did you lie to me? Are you with a guy? And her response was not, Oh, Mom, I know you must have been worried. I'm so sorry that I didn't get your phone calls or texts. No. She, in return, was furious at me. Oh, my gosh, Mom, what is your problem? I was making cookies with Deborah and her mother. 
Of all the stories that I had made up in my head, I had never thought, oh, I bet she's making cookies with her mom. You know, okay, what do you say after that? Except, okay, well, you need to come home now. So then my daughter started driving. That provided a whole boatload of opportunities for worry. I think there needs to be a 12-step group for moms who are trying to teach their daughters or sons how to drive. Talk about a setup for fear. Your daughter's awkwardly driving along, and she seems to be speeding up when the light turns red, and she sees you kind of clutching the door, and then she looks at your face, not looking at the cars coming at, at you, and saying, like, what's your problem, mother? There can be a lot of fear when we're trying to teach our teenage son or daughter how to drive. But the worry amps up into the F-bomb when your daughter or son, I think especially the daughter, is out late at night with her car and she doesn't come home at curfew. My sister would tell me that her boys, when they were in high school, who are now respectable young adults, would not come home at curfew because they fell asleep at their friend's house. So my poor sister definitely had the F-bomb because all night long she was trying to call them or text them and just thought for sure they were dead in some ditch. And then finally when the boys would wake up at noon the next day, they'd say, oh, I'm sorry, Mom, having no idea what their poor mom had gone through. And, you know, I've been there myself. I remember one night my daughter didn't come home when she was supposed to late at night. And, and you do. You fear that they could be hurt in a, a car accident, or, or your worst fear is that they could be dead, that something really terrible has happened to them. So, yes, the F-bomb impacts us all as parents. Fear is amplified in our culture with stories of date rape, suicide, eating disorders, drunk driving, school shooting, drug addictions, teenage dropouts in our media. This is why it's easy for our imaginations to go to the worst possible scenarios. The problem is that it's hard to function when fear escalates to the F-bomb status. And there's a reason for this. Fear significantly impacts the brain. I talk a lot about this in my book. I, mean, I can't get into all of it today, but simply said, fear triggers the lower and reactive parts of our brain. And when that part of the brain is running the show, then all that good stuff like perspective, intuition, creative problem solving, logical and rational thinking of the cortex, all that stuff that makes you a great parent is offline and you can't access it. So all you have left is this fight, flight, freeze reaction. Now, in that story with my daughter, I had all of those reactions. I froze up when I couldn't get a hold of her and I couldn't think clearly. I had a flight reaction because I wanted to get out of my house and just drive and drive and drive until I found her. Now, that wasn't really helpful because I had no idea where I was going. And then I went into a fight mode when I actually talked to her. I just laid right into her. Now, here's where it gets really interesting, because you have your stress response of fight, flight, and freeze, and your daughter 
or son who is hardwired to react will react in kind. So this becomes like this reactive dance between you and your teen. You fight, and he or she is going to react into a fight, flight, or freeze reaction. And this becomes a pattern that becomes very predictable. It never brings a resolution. You tend to repeat this pattern over and over again in an attempt to resolve the fear, but it doesn't resolve it because it keeps escalating the drama. Now, my hairdresser told me the story, and so I'm, I'm sure it's true. He told me that a mom came home from work, and when she came inside, she heard voices upstairs. And as she's walking up the stairs, she realized that she was hearing her daughter's voice and her boyfriend's voice and the creaking sound of her bed. This mom, obviously, was very upset, but she went straight into the freeze and flight mode. Now, some other moms might have gone straight to fight mode and ran up those stairs and thrown that boy out the window. But this mom was so upset that she went straight into a freeze and flight mode. Mom walked out of the house, got back in her car, and drove around the block, and then made tons of noise as she came back to her house so that her daughter and boyfriend could hear her. So she was, like, dropping her keys and slamming the door open. And when they heard that, they ran out the back door. Both the mom and their daughter never, ever talked about that situation. So here's the thing. When you are that triggered with fear, you aren't thinking clearly, and you can't really protect your son or daughter. The stress response of fight, flight, and freeze oftentimes is not helpful. So you need to get back online with your higher brain, and that is when you're able to create effective parenting strategies. Now, how do you do that? Well, to get back online, you need to dismantle the F-bomb of fear so that you can calm down. When you're calm, the brain naturally goes back online. Let me say a little bit about worry. Worry may not be as bad as the F-bomb, but it still drains all the joy and life out of you. You can't worry about your daughter and enjoy her at the same time. Another powerless parenting message says that it's our job to worry and obsess about our teens 24-7. I once had a mom tell me that she felt like if she didn't worry, then something bad would happen. If she did worry, then she could prevent something bad from happening. Now, she obviously, if she thought about that logically, knew that wasn't true, but that's what it felt like to her. See, it can feel like you're protecting and guiding your teen when you worry, but you're actually only doing one thing, and that is obsessively worrying. And this is not an effective strategy. So before you approach your teen, you need to dismantle the F-bomb of fear. And here's how you do it. So first, you need to identify the big fear. So what I'd like you to do is take 15 minutes, find a quiet place in your house, and ask yourself this question. What is the big fear concerning my daughter? Is it about her health, her safety, or her future? 
Most often, our biggest fear can be boiled down to, my daughter is not okay and will not be okay. Okay, so take some time and identify the big fear. Next, you want to contain the worry and obsessions. The big fear takes over your thoughts and actions through worry and obsession. The problem is that worrying over your daughter 24-7 is not good for your health, and it's not going to protect her. Worry and obsession throw you into a stress response, like fear, which increases the stress hormone cortisol, which in turn decreases all those happy body chemicals, which further lowers your mood. Increased cortisol also compromises your immune system and is responsible for weight gain. The bottom line is that constant worrying makes you feel bad and is exhausting. And another problem with worry is that it has an active imagination. You create multiple distressful or horrible scenarios in your mind. And then your mind settles on the most devastating story and you replay it over and over. And not only do you think about it, but you feel it. When you picture your daughter in that distressful situation, it causes you suffering. You feel the panic. You experience distress. And not only do you think and feel these worries, you act on them. But your actions are going to always be ineffective when you're offline from your higher brain. We've already discussed the stress responses of fight, flight, and freeze. And also, your action has a compulsive element to it. You're going to do something over and over again, but it doesn't bring relief or results or resolve any of the issues. A common example of this is checking. Like you keep checking your phone to see if she's called or texted. You check her grades. You check her room. You check, 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 check. Yes, it's important to monitor your daughter, but this is where you can get stuck being her 24-hour monitor, and that's it. While you can't get rid of worries completely, you can learn to contain them. Instead of being preoccupied with worry all day long, try taking 15 minutes and giving the biggest fear and its attendant worries your complete attention. So you've already identified the big fear, but now I want you to identify all the worries around that big fear. So go to a place where you won't be distracted and write them all down. Don't rush this. You want to make sure you give all your concerns your full attention. So anything that you worry about that is related to the big fear, write those down. And after you do that, you're going to be ready for the next step, which is excavating the truth from the fear. All right, so you may think, oh my gosh, I don't have time for this. But actually, this exercise is going to save you time. Here's why. Because if you give your complete attention to your worries, you're done with them for the day. If you don't, the attentions are like a radio that keeps playing the same song over and over and over and over in your head. So you're, you're paying attention to the worry all day long, and it's distracting you. But when you give your complete attention to the worry, you can contain it by writing it down. 
And when the worries will come back in your head, you're more conscious of them. So you can say, hey, you know what, worry? I've already dealt with you. There's nothing more to worry about today. All right, the next step is to excavate the truth from the fear. All right. Yeah, you got it. Why don't you take another 15 minutes and let's look at this. So now that you've given your worry your full attention, you want to extract the truth from the fear. And the way you do this is by asking yourself these three questions. Is your fear really true? Your daughter failed a major test in biology. Your fear is that she's not going to make it into a good college. Is your fear true just because she made one bad grade? Does that mean she's not going to get into a good college? Probably not. So then you can ask yourself the second question. How likely is it that this is going to happen? Well, it's probably not real likely that if she fails one test that she's not going to get into a good college. There's lots of colleges. So it's probably not likely that's going to happen. So then, what's the real concern? Well, the real concern isn't about getting into a good college. The real concern is that she needs help with her biology class. So when you get down to the real concern, it's usually specific, and then the action becomes clear, is if she's failing biology, then she needs to get a tutor. She needs some help. And once you excavate the truth from the fear, it's really useful because you're taking action that is effective, that is going to help her. There's so much more, and of course I can't get to everything that's in my book today, but I promised you a golden nugget and here it is. See, when you're in fear or you have a lot of worry, all your imagination goes to the negative. And that's all you can see. And all you're doing is replaying the negative stories and scenarios over and over in your mind. So what's helpful is redirecting your attention. So I would like you to get a journal. And you could name it the Progress Journal. And I want you to write down one thing every day where you see your daughter's making progress. And this could be really small, like she put her dishes in the sink without me asking her. But I want you to start noticing her positive qualities. And to do that, you have to refocus your attention to see it. All right. I hope this was helpful. And I can't wait to talk to you all next week. So you have a great week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.